0: Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando, your host. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for coming on today's reading, Bible College Curriculum, for December the 15th. Today's comes to us by Kenneth Copeland, which is a carefree Christmas. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Philippians 4, 6. Amen. Can you really have a Merry Christmas, even when you have a thousand and one pressures bearing down on you? Yes, you can. And you don't have to leave the country to do it. No matter how intense or how trivial the problems are that you're facing right now, you can have the most wonderful, most carefree Christmas season You ever had in your life, and you can start having it today. Again, let's read that scripture again Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. As believers, you're probably familiar with that scripture that says to be anxious for nothing, but have you ever taken it seriously enough to put it into action? There's a good chance you haven't. You haven't understood just how dangerous those anxieties are. How dangerous anxieties can be. You probably haven't been realized that they're a deadly part of the devil's strategy against us. That's right. Worry is one of the chief weapons of his welfare warfare. If he can get you to worry about them... He can get you used the financial pressures and family pressure and scheduling problems that are just a normal part of everyday life to weigh you down and drag you into more trouble than you think possible. Medical science tells us that a high percentage of the people hospitalized in the U.S. are there with ailments caused by worry and tension. Yet a great many believers worry without even thinking about it. They'll worry about being too short or too skinny, They'll stew over this and that and not even realize they've been sinning. Sinning, Brother Copeland, you may ask? Yes, for the born-again, spirit-filled believer who owns the Bible, worrying is a sin. Even if the Christmas cards are late and 45 people are coming to your house for Christmas dinner, don't worry. Instead, do what the Bible says to do. Pray. Pray making your request known to God and praising for the answer, then you'll have peace. Now go ahead and have a truly Merry Christmas. Your carefree thing, you do. Now go ahead and have a truly Merry Christmas. One of the ways my wife and I, what we do is we do the surrender prayer. Lord, we don't know to go to the left, to the right, up or back. We're up against our walls. We're up against the, the wall again. Our walls. <laughs> anyway, we just pray and say, help, Lord. And just a simple prayer. And then boom, like a sonic boom. Remember those sonic booms? The power of God comes down and helps us. At the end of the day, we get everything accomplished. We pray for it. And we're always putting ourselves in situations where we need miraculous prayer. All right. Additional reading for us today is Matthew 6, 24 to 34. Let's go ahead and run over there, please. I have it in the uh, Passion Translation. 6, 24. Okay, let's start with 23. And you will hear reports from some saying, Look, He has returned. The Messiah is over there or the Messiah is over here. Don't believe it. For there will be impostors falsely claiming to be God's anointing. And false prophets will arise to perform miracles, signs to lead astray. If possible, those God has chosen to be His. Remember this, for I prophesy it will happen. So if someone says to you, look, the anointed one has returned. He's in the desert. Don't go chasing after him. Or if they say, look, he's here in our house. Don't believe it. The appearing of the Son of Man will burst forth with the brightness of lightning strike that shines from one end of the sky to the other. Illuminating the earth. How do birds or prey know where the dead body is? They just know instinctively and so you will know when I appear, says the Lord, the immediately then immediately, this is what will take place. The sun will be darkened and the moon given no light. The stars will fall from the sky and all of the cosmic powers will be shaken. Then the sign announcing the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn over him. And they will see the Son of Man appearing in the clouds of heaven, revealed with mighty powers, great splendor, and great glory. And he will send his messengers with the loud blast of the trumpets, and with a great voice they will gather his beloved chosen ones by the four winds from the ends of heaven to the other. Now learn this from the parable of the fig tree. When spring arrives and it sends out its tender branches and sprouts, leaves, you know that the ripe fruit is soon to appear. So it will be with you. So when you observe all these things taking place, you will know that he is near, even at the door. I assure you, the end of this age will not come until I have have spoken, has come to pass. Amen. It's really interesting that it says right here, if you see somebody that they're performing miracles. <clears throat> but remember, the qualification of that person is that he has to say he's, he is the uh, Messiah. The person says he's a Messiah and performing miracles. That's not the Messiah. Most of the miracles I see today, people honor God. They fall down on their knees and praise him and thank him. They honor Jesus. And then Jesus says right here, he's going to come instinctively in our guts. We're going to know it's the Lord in the sky. Just like instinctively we knew him when we were children, when we grew up and we said, yes, yes, Lord, I want to be saved. I want this Jesus Christ to be in my life. In the same mannerism, the Lord will come. Amen. Let's go ahead and move to December the 16th, please. From Kenny Copeland, article, Using Scripture, Ephesians 6, 14-15, from the Amplified Bible. Stand therefore, having you shed your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Stand therefore, having you shod your feet In the preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness, and the readiness to produce by the good news of the gospel of peace. Yay! Ephesians 6, 14 and 15. That fires me up. Preparation. When it comes to fighting spiritual battles, that's a word you'll do well to remember. Most believers don't pay much attention to it. They don't prepare themselves in advance. They fiddle around until the devil makes his move. Then they jump up and try to fight him with the word, and they usually lose. I used to do the same thing, says Kenne Copeland, until the Lord taught me differently. I used to wait until my my meetings began to pray for their success. As Satan, Satan would come against them from one direction, i fight him there. Then he'll move around and attack them in another area, and I fight him there. One day, the Lord showed me that by waiting until the last minute to take my stand, I was giving Satan time to build up his forces against me, and consequently, I was losing many of my battles. Then the Lord said something to me I'll never forget. He said, if they had kicked Al Capone out of Chicago when he was just a small-time operator, he wouldn't have been so hard to handle. But they waited until he became a first-class criminal with his forces built up around him. Then it took an army to bring him down. When I heard that, I made up my mind to never be caught unprepared again. I started praying about those meetings. Weeks in advance, getting the stage set spiritually before they ever began. Instead of letting Satan get his forces entrenched, I started throwing him out before he got a single foothold. When I did, I saw more victories than I ever had before. Don't let the devil catch you off guard. Be prepared. Start praying and speaking the word of faith now over your family, your business, your church. Get your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That if Satan causes trouble, you'll be well equipped to run him out of town. Amen. Ephesians 1 17 12 to 15 is our additional reading amen it comes to i think i jumped the gun it comes to mind that praying for a week ahead of time so let's go ahead and pray for this coming week heavenly father we thank you lord god for the seven days are coming monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday The days that are coming up ahead and the the people we'll be working with and the tasks that we'll be doing. Lord, we pray, Lord God, that we will be effective in our words, in in our helps, in our ministry, and helping others, Lord, get closer to you. Help us, Lord God, in the heavens to do the work that you called us to do at our jobs, at our families, and most important with you, to have a communication in an open heaven with you, Lord. Help us to walk in harmony, Lord God, in the heavens. And we bind Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. We come against Satan. We come against all his hosts this coming week. By the blood of the Lamb, they are defeated. And by the word of our testimony, Satan, you're out of here. You, I command you to flee in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Get out of our days. Get out of our week. We declare that the kingdom of God will be evident to all. He reigns forevermore in our lives. Whatever we do will prosper. Whatever we'll will come to pass. We are the ambassadors of the Lord Christ Jesus. And we say all is well to God's creation. All is well to God's people. It is so in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now I feel better. Don't you? That's the significance of having a good week you can feel the presence of God you can feel the harmony of the week you can feel that missing element of life is in place amen I hope we hit one over the fence and I need to be reminded to keep praying for the coming weeks and days so we can be very effective in the kingdom of God amen we're in it to win it Additional reading now is 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 12 to 51. Let's go over there. 1 Samuel 17. I'm reading from you from the New Living Testament. There you go. 1 Samuel 17:12 Jesse sends David to Saul's camp. Now David was the son of man named Jesse. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephratite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliabab, Abinadab, and Shimeah. Had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistine. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For forty days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day said to David, one day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts. As Jesse had directed him, he arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelites and the Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from God, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunts to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen that giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defile Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. Hmm. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What? What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, Yes, that is a reward for killing him. But when David's older brother Eliab heard David talking to the man, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, said Saul. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, I have you to know. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I'll catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine, too, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. That's a mesh. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go out in these, he protested Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooths of stone from a stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. Then the army, then armed, excuse me, only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer out ahead of him. It's kind of interesting. He has a guy, a shield bearer, I guess, holding the shield in front of him. Sneering and contempt, at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle And he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. For he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Woo. Talk about <clears throat> courage and knowing his God. It's interesting that he says it is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. Hallelujah. As we move, the Lord moves with us. Interesting, the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why Satan is defeated under our feet. As David squared off against Goliath, he knew that in human terms, he didn't have a chance His courage came from his recognition that the battle belonged to God. Like David, we are helpless in the battles we face without God's intervention. But God, the victory is certain. With God, the victory is certain. Amen. David was very confident that God would deliver him from Goliath's wrath, no matter how improbable it may have seemed. David was a young shepherd boy armed with sticks and stones. Goliath was a giant of a man armed with a great sword and spear. In human terms, David didn't have a chance, but with God, he couldn't lose. God is able to provide the victory to all who are willing to trust him. We all face giants in our lives, problems that are too big to face alone. But even when the odds are stacked against us, we we can't lose if God is in our side. At times, we may feel powerless, even though we know we are standing for what is right. But even when that is true, we, we still shouldn't give up. Sometimes situations where we feel powerless can prompt action that changes everything for the better. David watched as Goliath, the Philistine champion from God, cut off, cut, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunts to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The man asked. He comes out each day to defile Israel. David conceived the king to let him fight the giants his own way. He shouted to Goliath. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies again. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled, today the Lord will conquer you. Today the Lord will conquer you. As the Israelite soldiers saw themselves as helpless victims, their powerlessness paralyzed them, so they just stood there and took the abuse. David took courage and action to recover their dignity. There are times we need courage and God's help to fight against the tendency to remain a victim. We need to stand up for our human dignity and respond in new ways if we're to claim the victory. Amen. All right, all right. We'll go ahead and end there. Thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. Reading and believing and thanking God is our idea. Praising Him and thanking Him for the situation. Even if we're up against the wall and we screwed up, we say, Thank you, God. I did that. Thank you, I screwed up. <laughs> he can make anything properly right. And Get us to face the music. In Jesus' name. Just keep praising Him and thanking Him that you did that. Keep praising Him and thanking Him for the battle. Keep praising Him and thanking Him for the situation. The Lord's battle. It is His battle. In Jesus' mighty name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up His counts and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.